How do we connect with students in our ministry? How do we reach new students? And how do we partner with others? This might seem especially difficult in our world today, given all of the changes that have been going on in recent years. But today, our guest has some amazing ideas to push past all the noise in the digital world and to use it to increase our reach and our ability to connect. We'll talk about what we should do and what we shouldn't do in student ministry in the modern age. Get ready for Student Ministry Connection. Welcome to Student Ministry Connection, a place for those who serve in student ministry, who want to connect with others and have a desire to grow. My name is Steve Cullum and I'll be your host for this episode and we're so grateful that you are here. Today we're gonna be hearing from Dave Adamson. Dave is most known to people in the world as Aussie Dave. He is currently the director of Orange for Australia and New Zealand. He has written several books and he was actually the eighth person in the world to have the title of online pastor. We're going to talk to him about his story, also his recent book called Meta Church: How to Use Digital Ministry to Reach People and Make Disciples. We're going to talk to him about all the things that student ministry should be doing and shouldn't be doing in our modern digital world in order to reach students, to connect with them, and to share the gospel. We're also going to talk about how we can connect with each other in our world today, too. So I hope you're ready for this conversation with Dave Adamson. Before we jump into that, though, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps. And for those of you who subscribe on Spotify, I do want to let you know that there are currently two feeds on there for some reason. We're going to be condensing those down to one. So if your feed goes away, just make sure you search and find us again and subscribe to the other feed. So I just want to give you that heads up. We're not going to do that right away, but it's going to be happening very soon. And I just wanted to make sure that you know if your feed on Spotify goes away, just subscribe to the other feed that's on there. We're going to try to condense those two feeds down to one. And unfortunately, there's no way of combining them. We've got to delete one and just stick with the other. So if your feed does go away on Spotify, just search for the other one and subscribe that way. We're also on all of the other major podcast apps out there and services. So you can subscribe and make sure you get every new episode right in your podcast inbox whenever they drop. We also want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this episode of Student Ministry Connection. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see everyday life situations through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone as well, with three plans to choose from. This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just $20 a month. If you're looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides, that's $30 a month. And if you want an affordable engaging video curriculum, G-Shades has you covered for only $40 a month. You will not find a better youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere. G-Shades really sets itself apart by looking at every life situation that a student goes through through the lens of the gospel and infusing Jesus on everything that the students do. If you want to learn more about G-Shades and its creator, Mike Haynes, be sure to check out episodes 32 and 55. 
We are so grateful for G-Shades, and we know that you will not be disappointed. So head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G to download season four of G-Shades curriculum and use the promo code CONNECTION at checkout to receive an extra $20 off your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You can find the link to G-Shades in the podcast show notes. One last thing before we jump into this conversation with Dave Adamson, we're going to be giving a copy of his book, Metachurch, away. All you got to do is head over to our social media. We're at Stu Men Connect on Twitter and at Student Ministry Connection on Instagram. Make sure you follow us on social media and you'll find the exact details of how to enter to win a copy of his book. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Steve, it is so great. I'm glad that we could make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. So I know we've kind of briefly connected here and there, usually through Orange Conference and things like that, but it's always been uh, kind of a, a quick high as I'm passing by and things like that. So it's great to sit down with you for a little bit today and and talk yeah. about uh, all that you've been able to do. I know that you've been, you were an online pastor back before, you know, COVID forced us all to start thinking about that way. Uh, you've written a book recently called Meta Church, which we'll dig into a little bit today. Um, you've worked for Orange for a while, and yep. uh, and I think one of the coolest things about you, Dave, is that you are a very forward thinker in terms of the church. I like all the times that I've hear, heard you speak or read your stuff; it's always very forward thinking and where and how we should be thinking as a church, which is really really cool. Um, so before we dig into the book and and all things uh, about you know forward thinking with student ministry and everything, I'd love for our audience just to connect with you a little bit today. So yeah. if you could share a little bit about your story and uh, how God got you to the point where you are today. Yeah, well, look, um, I think the, how I would typically uh, condense my story into a, into a thumbnail version is. You know, I grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne, Australia, um, in a house that was completely unchurched and had no intention of ever becoming a Christian, no desire to be a Christian, and uh, completely unaware of that uh, world um, until I was a, uh, in year 11 at high school, um, so a junior in high school. And... Um, you know, I got stuck with this kid. So I went to this state school, this state high school, never went to high school ministries or anything along those lines, which, you know, I'm thankful for or to your audience for all the work they put into, into student ministries because I benefited from it as a dad, but I didn't benefit, benefit from it as a kid because I just had no interest in that space. And then when I was a junior in high school, um, I got, I, I went to a state school. There was only, you know, I don't know what you or your audience knows about Australia, but Australia is a largely post-Christian um, culture has been for a long time. And, and even back when I was in high school, it, it, it really was. And so I went to a high school where there was only three Christians in the entire school. And I got stuck in a computer class with one of those three Christians. <laughs> I had to do a project with him for six weeks. And so, you know, I started bombarding him with questions about the Bible and about God and, and Jesus and church and, you know, you name it. And, and this kid, I mean, he answered all of my questions. And if he didn't know the answer, he would always say, hey, I don't know the answer to that, but my dad's a pastor and I'll, I'll ask him and, and <laughs> we'll figure it out together. And so really for the first time, I, I had somebody who was answering some of my big questions about life and about 
purpose and about hope, but also about faith as well. And, and so, you know, at the end of those six weeks, the six weeks of that project, uh, he invited me to come along to this Christian event. And uh, before I knew it, I'd made a decision to start following Jesus. Didn't know what that meant at all, but started going to the local church. And within a couple of months of being at that church, the pastor asked me if I would preach. And so I did, you know, I was like <laughs> 17. I didn't know wow. what I was doing. I just assumed that this is what you did. You, you, you become a Christian and then you preach and then you get baptized. <laughs> like I just assumed like I, cause I didn't grow up with any of that background or baggage. Um, mm -hmm. I just did whatever somebody told me to do. Um, but even back then I didn't want to be a pastor or be in full-time ministry. I don't want that. I wanted to be a sports reporter. So I went to college, got a, a degree in journalism and literature and, and started pursuing a, a career as a, a sports journalist and ended up working for Australia's version of ESPN Sports Center for one of our major networks here and did that for uh, seven or eight years. Um, this was like in the early 2000s. And uh, in 2008, um, God really uh, put an opportunity in front of my wife and I, we had three young girls at the time and and put an opportunity in front of us to pack up everything and move to New Jersey and go into full-time ministry as an online pastor. This was 2008. And little did I know back then, like, I mean, ultimately we accepted that opportunity because we believed God was calling us to it. But little did I know that the skills and experiences that I'd been developing over seven or eight years, you know, from a communication point of view, for, from a on-camera hosting point of view, from a production point of view, God had been like using those to get me to this point in 2008 to go into full-time ministry as the eighth online pastor in the world. Um, and all of those skills started to come together. Um, in a way that I could never have predicted. Mm. So, you know, while I didn't want to be in full-time ministry, I feel like God had been playing, <laughs> you know, 3D chess with me the whole way. Yeah. And and he knew and he was prepping me. And, I, and I'm sure that a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are in ministry, probably if you look back, you probably feel the same way that mm. God had been prepping you long before you got called into full-time ministry. And so, yeah, I, I became the eighth online pastor in the world in 2008 at a church in New Jersey. And then in 2013, I got an opportunity to uh, take a full-time position at North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia, where Andy Stanley is the senior pastor. And I became the online and social media pastor there and did that until 2020, when in the middle of a global pandemic, I decided to make a huge transition. And I started working for Orange, uh, which is a, a, you know, a, a family ministries curriculum com company, a church strategy company out of Atlanta. And so now I live in Australia. I'm the Orange Director for Australia and New Zealand and get to connect with churches, not just here in Australia and New Zealand, but also around the world, helping them with their online and digital strategy and helping, you know, student ministry and, and family ministry leverage technology to connect with parents and really partner with parents when it comes to raising and sharing their faith with the next generation. That's awesome. And what I, I, all of those things are great, but the thing that I immediately jumped to is that, that high school kid who shared his yeah. faith. He actually like, that's, that's what we all dream of <laughs> as youth pastors, like have that one yeah. all-star kid that actually does what we ask him to do and share their yeah. faith with someone and, and look at the, the ripple effect that that is, has left. Um, and since then yeah. and in his life and then your life and so many others that have been impacted along the way, that's, that's so awesome. And an encouragement to those of us that are in student ministry, that it really does matter what we do. Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, giving, um, you know, student minute, st student pastors and student 
small group volunteers and those people who are pouring into those kids, it really does have an impact, especially when it comes to answering the questions that that students have, um, especially unchurched students have. You know, I, you know, the way that I, I look at it now, in a lot of ways, that that kid to me was Google to current kids, was YouTube to current mm. students, right? So, you know, in the modern world, back then, back when I was in high school, if you had questions about faith, if you had questions about um, God or the Bible, you either went to church or you went to the only person you knew who was experiencing those things, right? And, and in my world, that was this kid in my computer studies class. But in the modern world, in this post-Christian world that we live in, um, if kids have questions about faith and about God and about Jesus, about the Bible, about faith, they're not going into the church. They're going to YouTube to ask mm -hmm. those questions. And that this is where, you know, I'm a really big advocate for, for churches and student ministries to be leveraging social media, leveraging every piece of technology we have to teach people how to share their faith and to be answering questions that students are actually asking mm -hmm. in the modern world. I think too often... Churches fall into the habit of answering questions that no one is asking, but we need to be aware of what are the questions that our that, that students are asking today, and how can we provide answers to those mm. questions? Because they're they're asking them; they're just asking them online instead of in church. And yep. so, if we yep. can be in those places, knowing what those questions are, and then answering those questions, that's when we can really move the ball forward in somebody's uh, somebody's faith. And, and, and if I can go one step further, it actually mm -hmm. means that we don't have to rely necessarily on that one star, all-star student who's going to share their faith with everybody. We can actually put ourselves in those positions where mm -hmm. we're the all-star who's sharing their faith, but we're just doing it in a medium that the kids are actually accessing in order mm -hmm. to find answers to the questions they're asking. That's cool. And I, I've actually made it about 75% of your book so far. I'm, I'm doing the audio versions, which is awesome because I get to hear from you. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I love I love it so much in, for a few different reasons. One is because I think you just have a great way of articulating uh, things so well that just instantly yes. resonate with me. Um, so that's really awesome. But also, I think you do a really good job of not only being you know, sharing these ideas and um, being forward thinking, but also getting very practical and some basic yeah. steps that ministries can take. And I know right recently I read um, about how you were saying, here's some basic steps around YouTube specifically to start yeah. addressing questions, like you were saying, instead of just throwing a video out there, but how can we start using even our sermon you know, mm. videos, cutting them down to address specific questions. Yeah. Um, so before yeah, we yeah. jump into any more details, I'd love if you wouldn't mind uh, provide a brief just overview of your book and maybe share a little bit about what led you, led you to actually write it. Yeah, well, the, the reason I wrote it and, and the brief overview is, you know, during COVID, um, live stream became mainstream, right? All these churches around the world, student ministries around the world, family ministries around the world, schools around the world had to suddenly move to this online scenario, online only scenario. And, um, you know, I was at North Point at the time and, and a lot of my time and energy and attention went into helping churches uh, get the technology to be able to start live streaming. Like I remember in those early days, I was, I was pushing for student ministry uh, volunteers and youth pastors to 
to buy this microphone off Amazon, which was a Shaw MV80, which was a, a microphone that had a, a, a connection that plugged into your iPhone. And I kept saying, that's all you need. It's all you need. Turn face the window for light. You've got a thousand dollar camera in your pocket. Just buy this um, microphone. And then within two weeks, that microphone was sold out because everybody was trying to get it because everybody was moving and shifting to online, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so what I decided in those, in those months, I was answering so many questions around how do I do this? How do I do this online thing that I started writing? So I just thought to myself, I've got to write down all these things I've learned since 2008, all these experiences that God had given me, all the fail failures that I'd made, all the bad decisions, all the te tech things that we tried and experimented and it didn't work, as well as the things that did work and put them all into one space. So, you know, people say, hey, how long did it take you to write the book? And I always say it took me like 14 years to write the book because yeah. it was everything I've learned about online ministry and connection points, uh, how to digitally, how to connect with people in an online world, how to disciple people using digital tools, uh, how to take Jesus's first century model of discipleship and, and, and apply a 21st century model to it. Um, and so it really was a collection of all these things. And, and to your point, Steve, I didn't want this to be a theoretical book. I didn't want it to be a book that um, just said, hey, here's how you set up a camera to live stream to TikTok. I wanted it to be a book that helped people build a strategy that was contextualized for them. For me, one of the big learnings I, I, I've had over the past 14 or so years in online ministry is that content is not king on social media. Context is king mm. on social media. And so we need to uh, create a strategy that is contextualized to the students that we're trying to reach in the town that God has placed us in, in the church that God has placed us in. And so you know, part of part of doing that is understanding, yes, how YouTube works, but then creating the context that is contextualized to the people in your community. You know, you you talked about, you know, some of the questions and stuff that I, I've been asking. What, one of the things I've learned recently, and this actually came at the tail end of the book, I started doing some work in Australia with a company called Alpha, which I'm sure a lot of, you know, you and a lot of your mm -hmm. audience have heard of. Alpha is that, you know, the, the group that does that 12-week course where people ask their, uh, ask their questions about faith and have them answered, right? Mm -hmm. Which is right up YouTube's alley. This is YouTube 101. And so as I started working with Alpha Australia, one of the things we did was um, I said, we need to be uh, reaching people who have questions about faith. YouTube's the best place for us to do that. So why don't we research and find out what the top 100 most frequently asked faith questions online in Australia, so contextualized mm -hmm. in Australia, what are those top 100 faith questions people are asking online? And so we put in a, did a whole bunch of research, found out exactly what those top 100 questions are. And with Alpha, we just started creating videos that were less than four minutes long because the average length of a YouTube video is around four minutes and 20 seconds. And so how do we find those questions and then start answering them in a way that people are actually going to consume, consume them? And so one of the things, you know, that this is post book, like this is the stuff that came out post book. Um, is is leveraging the, that idea of YouTube and creating a strategy around answering the questions that people are actually asking. And I thought to myself during this process, you know, what if the average student pastor found out what are the top 50 questions that students are asking around faith, Jesus, God, the Bible 
in and church in your local community what are those top 50 questions there's a whole year worth of content mm. you add easter and christmas to that there's 52 weeks covered and and you're answering questions that students are actually asking and this all just stemmed from me writing this book and you know then taking it what's the next thing beyond that and so yeah, yeah that's a, a large part of what the book is about but also a large part about what i'm talking with churches about at the moment is answering those questions that people actually have in the community where god has specifically uh, called you to serve that's awesome that's so cool and i love your you know already getting into how we can contextualize it for student ministries in our own our own area i was talking to someone else the other day and just talking about the the importance of contextualization is so key um so for those of that are working as you know working in student ministry um many of us probably don't have the ability to impact our entire church <laughs> but we have you know some influence on our over our little corner of our area so yeah um what what are some things that student ministry workers volunteers uh paid ministry workers can actually start beginning to think about and start implementing no matter their context i love how hey, you're talking yeah. about youtube and things like that but are there anything else that we should be considering as we're talking about how to impact um, these students in our community digitally. Yeah, yeah. So so obviously what I just mentioned is a huge one for me is figure out what the questions what what are the questions the the students who are who who are not coming to your church. What are the questions that they are asking? How do you start reaching those uh those students? Um so that would be a big part of it is is finding out what those questions would be in your context. Another part of it is what are the asking the question of of what what platforms are the students using nowadays and how are they using them? I think it's too easy for us in church world to assume that everybody's on Instagram and Facebook, but that's not necessarily the case. You know, I've got a church that I'm working with here in, in Australia, in, in Brisbane, Australia, who just put in a Minecraft server in their church because they want all the local kids when they start playing Minecraft to become part of that server so that they can connect with those kids. And I'm like, that is the most innovative thing I've I've heard in a long time. And yeah. it's not that, because Minecraft is not new. It's that's not the, what's exciting is how they're leveraging this new piece of tech, mm. uh, how they're in a new way that's contextualized because they just figured out there's a lot of students around our church that play Minecraft. Let's build a server where they can come to us in a way that's, you know, pertains to the way that they uh, specifically uh, use the online technology. So little things like that. What are the ways that you can innovate that are unique to your students, that are unique to your kids? Are your kids on Twitch? What are you doing on Twitch? Do they use Discord? What are you doing on Discord? You, again, we, we, we often look to the big things like Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok now, um, and think that that's where the answers are. But it's how we leverage those tools that make a difference in the lives mm. of of the students that we're called to serve. How are we connecting them? And then even to the amount of times that I, I speak with churches and and student ministry leaders who 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 are constantly saying, "Hey, I'm always trying to create new content, and that's taking up so much of my time, and I get so discouraged, and, and yeah, I'm constantly on the move, and I'm co constantly trying to come up with the next post, the next post, the next." Don't post. Why don't you why don't you take a break from posting content as your church ministry, you know, your youth ministry or, or your your church youth program? Stop posting content and instead start listening to what the students are posting. Start mm -hmm. start putting all your time into commenting 
on the posts that your students are putting out on social media. Start reading those and responding as the student ministry to those churches. Because otherwise, it just comes out that we're talking at people, not talking with people. So, you know, this is when I talk to churches about this, whether it's in the US, Europe, or Australia, and I say, hey, instead of constantly talking at people, why don't you start talking with them by not posting on your own thing and just commenting on all the stuff that your students are talking about? Man, that seems like it's such a new and innovative way of leveraging social media, but it's called social right. media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we often forget the social part. Yeah. And what I can tell you is this, as a dad to, to three daughters who grew up in student ministry, when the student ministry comments and responds to a post that they've put on their own TikTok, their own Instagram accounts, the return on that investment is huge. I've, I've mm. seen my girls you know, scream in their rooms and come running down and go, oh my gosh, dad, they, they, they retweeted me or they reposted me or they commented on my post. Like that return is huge because it makes kids feel, it makes students feel like they're heard. It mm. makes them feel like they're seen and it makes them feel like their leaders care about the stuff that is important to them rather than just the ministry always leveraging social media to invite students to events. They're using social media to invite students to conversations. And mm -hmm. that's where life change starts to happen. If I could mm -hmm. talk about it from a technical point of view, I think often when 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 some you know a student ministry person hears somebody like myself say, you should be using uh, YouTube more. They think, wow, that's great, but it's too daunting. It's YouTube. I've got to get cameras and lights and blah, blah, blah. No, I keep saying, you've got a $1,000 camera in your pocket. Um, the best light source in the world is the sun. Um, so mm -hmm. all you need to do is just get that camera out of your pocket and st start being authentic because highly personal is greater than highly produced. Mm. Highly personal content is greater than highly produced content content. When you overproduce something in student ministry world, that creates that that makes a post. That's all it mm. does. When you when you create highly personal content, that makes a difference. Mm. And as student ministry people, you want to make diff you want to make a difference, not just make content. Yeah. So you don't want to just make posts. So if you can get on and, and leverage the tools that you have and be highly personal and contextualized to the things that your students are talking about in the way that they're talking about it on the platform that they're talking about, that's when you make a difference in the world. Mm, that's so good. I, I realized that even in in-person ministry, um, things that worked for my generation were the the big lights, the production, all that stuff. And yeah. our students get that everywhere they turn now. So it's not yeah. as special at, at church or at youth group anymore. They yeah. they really, they respond to the authenticness. They respond to the transparency. Exactly. They respond to like people stepping down on their level and, oh, they actually got to know me. That person yeah. on stage like step down, shook my hand and asked me how I was doing. Like that's what they really respond to. Because that is real relevance, right? Yeah. Often in church world, we think being relevant is having a, uh, you know, really good lighting system, playing the coolest music, um, having smoke machines. That's what we often think is relevant. But what real relevance is, is meeting somebody's need in the moment that they need it the most. So for example, you know, Steve, if I'm, if I'm, 
If I've been stranded out at sea with just a life jacket for two days and you show up with a boat and a bottle of water for me and pull me out, I don't care what brand boat you bring. <laughs> I don't care what brand water you bring. I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care what music is playing on the boat, right? What I care mm. about is you've met my need in the moment when I most needed it. That's what Google calls that the zero moment of truth. When people have this need in the moment they need it, and somebody comes and resolves that issue, a, a way that students might often look at it, you know, I put it into my world. You know, I'm a photographer. I will often look, type into Google, what is the best camera to buy in 2022, right? And, and companies like Sony and Canon and Nikon and Fuji pay huge amounts of money to be there in my zero moment of truth as a consumer. But in student world, man, the zero moment of truth comes when a student types into Google and or YouTube or TikTok or Instagram and says, how do I find hope for my life? Mm. How do I find purpose? How do I, how do I stop being anxious? Um, how do I stop looking at porn? These are the zero moments of truth that your students are having every single day. And we need to be there in the, those moments and not worry about the highly produced answers to those questions, but the highly personal answers to those questions is what's going to make a difference in the life of your students. Mm, that's so good. And I love how you said earlier, uh, to, we need to contextualize the, the social media we go on and things too, because yeah. I think so often we think we have to be everywhere. And that becomes overwhelming. Like, how am I also, how am I going to post on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and whatever the new thing is all the time, but yeah. to start learning where our students are, where the students yeah. in our community are and just go there, that's huge. So that leads me to ask, like, what are some other things that we shouldn't be doing anymore? Or maybe we should be doing less <laughs> in order to put our focus on the right things moving forward. Well, you know, look, one of the things I would be saying is for some churches, the most innovative thing they could do is to stop streaming their services online, to stop streaming their streaming live their student ministry things. And the reason for that is um, those things, again, are just those big one-off event things, uh, those event moments. Man, Jesus's first century model of discipleship was to be in the lives of the 12 young men that he, you know, he called his disciples. He was in their life 24-7. He was constantly connecting with them and showing them what it means to follow Jesus. He wasn't just inviting them to come once a week and then telling them what it means to follow him. He was showing them on a regular basis. And it's interesting to me when when we read Acts 2:40, Acts, you know, Acts chapter 2, every Everybody in ministry loves Acts chapter two because it's like the blueprint, right? And we especially love Acts two forty seven, which says every day uh, the Lord added to the number those who were being saved. And especially in student world, we love the salvation stories, right? We love that, and we all want our student ministries to grow, not just because of numbers. And we could talk about this, but but because we know it's having an impact on on, on the students in our local area. Yeah. So we want Acts two forty seven, but Acts two forty six says, and every day they met together mm. in people's homes. And in in the marketplace and and in the in the community centers, so we want the Acts two forty seven payoff, but we're not willing to put in the Acts two forty six work. We just invite them to this once a week event. Come to come to this one off thing every Sunday at a time that's and a location that's suitable to us. Right? Yep. I think by leveraging technology, by leveraging social media, we can be in their lives every day. We can meet with them every day. We can give them an example because. You know, it should be the, the the student social media should be 
the student pastors, the student small group volunteers revealing to the students how they live their lives mm. as much as anything else. You, you know what I mean? Here's here's Pastor Steve posting, hey, here's the four books that I'm reading at the moment that have most transformed my faith. Students will look at that and go, okay, I want to check out those books. I want to check out. Here's a video that I watched that really captured my uh, captured my imagination when it comes to evangelism or when it comes to serving the local community and posting those videos. Uh, what I think we we tend to in church world is we think the only good content for the, our students is the content we produce. Mm. Yet there's so much other good stuff out there. I leverage Mr. Beast all the time when I'm preaching in conferences and things. Yeah. And, and yeah. most of the people who are above like 40 are like, who's Mr. Beast? <laughs> yeah. But everybody who's, you know, below 30 are like, oh, Mr. Beast is the best. Yeah. Because yeah. there's so many practical things you can learn from a guy like Mr. Beast. So why aren't we sharing those things with our students? Part of the thing, I think part of the reason is, and, and you asked, what should we stop? I think we should stop seeing online as a broadcast medium, mm. whether it's YouTube, social media, or the church live stream. It's not a broadcast medium. It's a narrow cast medium. And if we can start to see it as that, what we do is we narrow cast to the students who are in, who God has placed under our care and we narrow cast to them by interacting with them on a constant basis by uh commenting on their posts by engaging with them and not just expecting them to come to us mm. and it's about talking about the things that are narrow casted to them and what the situations they're facing in their local community in their schools rather than broadcasting this thing that we think is the answer to the uh, is is the answer to the questions we think they're asking. Mm -hmm. So I would be constantly, if I was in, you know, if I could talk to all student ministry leaders, I would be constantly saying, what are the tools? What are the platforms? What are the channels that your, the students in your context are using? And what are the questions they're asking? And then answer those questions on the platforms and on the channels mm -hmm. that they're actually utilizing. Don't assume that you know those things. Ask the questions. And, and these things, you know this, I know this from being a dad. Those things change like every three months. Yeah. It used to be TikTok. Now it's not TikTok. Now they're moving to other places, you know, whether it's Twitch, whether it's Minecraft servers, you know, you know what I mean? So being aware of that is the key. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Um, and I think you've, you've already given us a lot to think about, I think, which is so cool because it, Again, just like your book, it's not like it's not like all these things that we need to do. It's just changing our mindset a little bit to yeah. to refocus what we're what we're actually doing and how we're going to accomplish that. And it's really just back yeah. to the basics of let's connect with our audience, like connect yeah, with our yeah. potential audience. That's, and you know why huge. that is, man? I, I just think that, oh gosh, hey, if this is the only thing your audience hears, okay, if this is the only thing they take away, is this. You guys do a lot in student ministry world. You guys do more than than the average person could possibly know. So as a pastor and as a dad, I just want to say, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the effort that you put in. Thank you for all the time and energy and for all the sleepless nights, for all the stress and anxiety for all the conversations you all have with your co-workers your peers for all the conversations you have with your spouses and partners like that that where you're trying to come to the answer or you're, you're talking with them about the problems that a kid is facing or or the a student group or 
Thank you for all of those sleepless, anxiety-ridden nights. Thank you for all the deep study. Thank you for all the research. Thank you for, for all the times you pick up pick up garbage around the church and in the and for all the times you stack chairs and for all the times you have to vacuum marshmallow out of the carpets, for all the times that you go the extra length to go to a student's event or a student's sports games. Thank you for thank you. Just thank you for all of those things that you do that are unseen. The last thing I would want to do is add more to your plate. I don't want you to do more things. I don't want to tell you that you should be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. I want to say thank you. And I also want to say there's a there's a way to work that is more efficient than ever before. And it might mean not posting to social media, not searching through Unsplashed every week to try to find just the perfect post to get more kids to come. It might just be responding to some kids' social media posts, some year 11 students social media some senior students tiktok and just saying hey i see you that was hilarious thank you for sharing that those little things are the things that build relational equity with the students and once you have that that's when you have genuine influence over them and also as a dad to like i know the significant impact that a student pastor a student volunteer a small group volunteer can have on a student, because I see it in my own girls' lives. I see them still texting the uh, small group leader that they had in middle school and asking them questions that they won't ask me as a dad, even though I know I think I have all the answers. <laughs> so thank you for all of that work. And I'm not asking you to do more. I just think there's a way that we could be more efficient and more effective that honors your time a little bit mm -hmm. more, but allows the work that you put in to reach more kids and to have a deeper impact on kids' mm -hmm. lives. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. So turning our attention to the those that are working in student ministry, you, you've already kind of turned that page a little bit, which is awesome. Um, how would you continue to encourage them, especially those that are feeling, you know, we, we were working with teenagers who want to be yeah. seen, who want to yeah. be heard. Yeah. But often those of us that are in ministry, and I just know my little corner of, of student ministry, often we don't feel seen, we don't feel heard, we're not yeah. connected nearly as much as we should be. Um, what kind of encouragement would you have for for us, especially in our digital world today? Yeah, gosh, dude, that's such a good question. Apart from saying thank you again to, <laughs> to all that you guys yeah. do, you know, I would be encouraging you to get around uh, people from other churches and, and hear the stories and share stories with each other. I, I really think local communities um, uh, in, in a town, all the student ministry people should get together. Often, too often, we we compare ourselves. We we go through this compare. We fall into the comparison trap too often. Mm -hmm. How many kids does the the student ministry down the road have? How many students streamed their services as opposed? How many followers do they have on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube? You know what I mean? We we get into this comparison trap. But what if what if you reached out to the to the people in the church down the street, to the youth? pastors to the student ministry volunteers and just created a space where you all get together you all have a coffee together once a month or something and you just shared stories and encouraged each other and cheered each other on like we should be cheering each other on more than any other group in the community right more than any other group in the community church leaders should be cheering on the other church leaders in their vicinity and I think this is especially true and especially relevant in student ministry world. I think the thing that stops us 
is that unfortunately we in church world, a lot of us in church world, especially those of us in leadership, those of us who, you know, have a platform, like, you know, are on stage, we get our self-esteem and we get our self-worth from how many kids are sitting in front of us, how many students are watching, how many students are following. And I think our self-esteem shouldn't come from those things. First and foremost, our, we should be measuring our, our self-worth and our self-esteem based on the fact that Christ died for us. But second, we should be encouraging the people. Around. What, if, what if our measurement of success, right, was how deeply connected we are with the other people from other churches who were trying to reach the same students that we're reaching in whatever town, state, county, region that we're all serving in together? What if that was our measure of success? How often we all got together and cheered mm. each other on? Wouldn't that mm. be, dude, wouldn't that be game-changing? Like I live in this place um, in Australia called the Sunshine Coast, right? And it's a very clearly defined, it sounds amazing, right? Sunshine yeah. Coast, we're right by the ocean, like it's awesome. Um, but I know, I'm, I'm just, as I'm saying this, dude, I'm thinking of the the, the number of churches and the number of student, um, student ministry leaders in this little context that I have here. And there must be, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20 churches. I would love to facilitate something. And now I'm feeling challenged that I should be the one who does this to facilitate all of these student ministry people getting together and just cheering them on, um, just cheering each other. You know, one of the things my wife and I did when we first got here, I'm going to speak to a different level of the audience. Cause I'm going to say that there's sure. potentially senior pastors, potentially um, parents who are listening to this podcast as well, or watching this. And, and I want to speak to you guys. When my wife and I first moved to this area and our kids started to get connecting with the local church, the first thing we did was we took the student ministries team out for lunch and we paid and we just said, we're here to cheer you on and we're here to support you and we're here to encourage you. And when life gets tough, we want to be able to hold your hands up and support you. When you've got questions, we want to be here to, to bounce ideas off. We just want to support you guys. That should be the measurement of success in, in the church world. Again, senior pastor, if you're listening to this, one of the biggest lessons I learned in my time at North Point in Atlanta, one of the biggest, most influential churches on the planet, was that the growth engine of your church is not your preaching. It's not what happens in adult big church. The growth engine of your church, the growth, growth engine, I believe, of any church is family ministries. It's student. what's, what's happening in student world. And you need to pour all of your time and energy and resources into student work. Student and family ministry should have the biggest section of the budget pie, in my opinion. Because more often than not, what's connecting parents and what's connecting adults to church is the kids having such a great, relevant experience, the students having such... Um, being seen and being heard by their local church, they're bringing the parents, they're bringing the adults with them. And I get that we think that what happens in main church is important, and it totally is. But man, as Andy Stanley always says, what's what's it worth to share your faith with the next generation? What, what price are you willing to pay? I know mm -hmm. as a dad, I'm willing to pay anything. I'll pay mm -hmm. any price. 
I'll do anything. Does that mean I have to preach shorter sermons? I'll I'll preach shorter sermons mm-hmm. in big church if it means that more students are coming to my student ministry program. If it means more kids are coming to my family ministry program, I will preach shorter. I will cut the worship. I'll cut the worship team song down to like two songs and, and a fifteen minute message. If that was what would drive mm-hmm. more students and more kids coming to my church, the growth end, engine of your church is family ministries. Mm-hmm. We should resource it in that way. Mm. I don't know if yeah. I answered your question. I got on a I got on a bit of a soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, man. You're you're almost making me emotional though, because you're you're talking about my language, of course. And, <laughs> and I think so many so many of us that are that are listening to the podcast, you're talking our language too. And and I think yeah. that it's important for us to to feel seen and heard and feel valued. And so hey, I yeah. think what you did was for me right there. You spoke value into what I do. Awesome. And I'm and glad. I think and I hope. You did that for for our audience as well, and I think that's that's really important because we need to, to we need to hear those things to keep us moving forward yeah. because we don't always see those life changes happen. Like every once in a while, we do see you know an all star kid who actually reaches out and shares their yeah. faith with you know several of their their schoolmates, but but a yeah. lot of times that doesn't happen. And maybe we'll get a thank you thirty years down the line, <laughs> um, yeah. but uh, but we yes. need to be encouraged along the way. Yeah, I think one of the ways you could encourage to be encouraged along the way, Steve, and again, this is speaking directly to family ministries, but especially student ministries. And again, speaking from my own experience, you asked before, what's one thing we should stop doing or one thing we should start doing, right? It's not technologically based at all. I would say start partnering with the parents Mm. because the reality is, right, I know this as a dad. my kids would go to the student ministry, uh, you know, student ministry at our, our church uh, every week. But th- those student leaders, they got maybe an hour, two hours a week with the kids, maybe maybe three if you add a small group uh, experience to it. The bulk of the time was me as a dad, me, my wife as a mom, uh, pouring our faith into our kids, right? So I think, you know, I, I think if student leaders put a lot of their attention or as much of their attention as I could into asking questions of the parents and partnering with the parents and sharing their faith, I think that would be a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to use Facebook, don't use Facebook to reach the kids. Use Facebook to reach the parents, to say, hey, parents, here are the things we talked about in student ministry world this week. And here are five questions you can ask your teenagers when you pick them up from school or when you're driving them to their part-time job. Five questions you can ask them this week that will... Uh, enhance what we talked about on Sunday. As a parent, that w- is game changing. That mm. is game changing because here's what here's what happens. We go and pick up our kids from student ministries, and we go, "Hey, how was it? Good. Yep. How would you talk <laughs> about um, Jesus? Do you know what I mean? Like that's all we get. But if if the student pastor is giving me questions that I can ask during the week, hey, how do you feel about how do you feel how do you feel when somebody at school disrespects you? Mm. Well, I feel this, 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 and this. And if that ties in with the respect message that was preached on Sunday at student ministry, that's where it really starts. That that partnering with parents thing, I think, is such a key Mm. element. If you want to make a big difference, that little short period of time that you have is nothing compared to the time that the parent has. So let's partner with the parent to give them the tools they need. And this is one thing we learned during COVID, right? Um, what we learned was when when parents had to be the the parent, the teacher, and the student pastor because churches were closed, most parents aren't resourced for that. Mm. Most parents don't know how to do that. So what if we started giving them tips? Hey, parents, 
Here's two ways you can share your faith with your students this week that they won't even pick up on. Hey, parents, <laughs> here's three questions you can ask from Sunday's message or from their small group experience that to help you continue that conversation. Because I've never met a parent who's sending their kids to a student ministries program who does not want to see their their student, their kid, mm -hmm grow and take the next step in their faith journey. So so youth pastors, youth leaders, small group uh, leaders, partner with parents and give them the tools they need to help you do the work that you're doing. Mm, that's good. That's so good. Well, I know people are going to want to connect with you more, Dave. I know they're <laughs> going to want to follow up on some questions. They're going to want to find your book and read it. What is the best place for people to connect with you online since we're talking online? <laughs> yeah. So I'm Aussie Dave at just about everything. A-U-S-S-I-E, Dave, Aussie Dave. So you can, you know, follow me, hit me up, DM me, anything like that. But he, I want to go one step further for, um, for, especially for the student people. I want to go one step further. If anything that I've said has made you ask questions, then I want to give you my email. I don't know if I'm okay to do that. I don't know if I really want to do that, but I feel like I'm supposed to do that because, you know, I want to make it personal for you as well. I got saved because a kid made it personal for me. So, and made himself available to answer my personal questions. So I want to make myself available to answer your questions as well. So I'm not going to give you my work email address. I'm going to give you my personal, dave at daveadamson.tv, dave at daveadamson.tv. Shoot me an email and I will answer as many questions as I can because I just want to help you. I want to serve you. I want to cheer you on. I want to encourage you. I want to narrow cast to you and speak to your context. So if you've got any questions, email me, dave at daveadamson.tv. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. And yeah, Dave, it's been... Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure to have you on as a guest Thanks, today man. on the podcast. Um, really enjoying your book. Can't wait to finish it really soon. And uh, man, just God bless all that you're doing for, for Thanks, God's Steve. kingdom and all for that you're doing for, for his workers. And Steve, thank you, man. Thank you for putting time and energy into this and creating resources that student leaders can catch on to. And uh, you're making a difference as well, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Ooh, that was a good one, right? I mean, I know I am still be a little emotional from uh, all the the truth and the the encouragement that Dave provided, but also the great ideas that he has for us, ways that we can connect with our students, connect with more students, connect with each other. Uh, so many great things in there. And I know you're going to want to reach out to Dave, so please be sure to hit him up. I was so grateful that he was able to uh, just freely give you his personal email address. So use that, reach out with some more questions that you might have for him. Also check out his book. And if you want a chance to win a free copy, head over to our social media and we will be able to uh, give you a chance to win a free copy of his book, MetaChurch. We also want to thank our sponsor of this episode, G Shades. Be sure to head over to gshades.org and use the code CONNECTION at checkout to save $20 off your order. Thank you so much, G Shades, for sponsoring this episode of Student Ministry Connection. 
And thanks to all of you for being here for another episode of the podcast. If some of you are thinking, hey, what's this student ministry connection thing all about? I thought it was the student ministry podcast. Be sure to go back to episode 85. I go into all the details about the new branding around the podcast and the bigger vision that God's been giving me. I'm really, really excited about the future. I'm really excited about this next few episodes as well. Um, already started doing some recording for those interviews. I've got some other things that I'm going to be sharing over the next several episodes too. So Make sure you've subscribed. Make sure you're sharing with other people. And uh, yeah, just be sure to be connected. Be sure to keep growing. And may God bless your ministry. 